get a lot better because we're going to get in the Word of God even more. And uh, I just want to lift up the people I've already spoken to you guys for the Welcome to Heart videos. And uh, thank you to Max, who did a great job for communion. It's sad to say, uh, I didn't put it in my announcement, probably because my heart wasn't fully there, but it is Max's last service here. As he goes on, he graduated, which is awesome. He goes on to bigger and better things, uh, being a part of our sister church in Houston. So Max, I'm very proud of you, and thank you, bro, for getting our hearts right for communion. And uh, thank you to Brady as well for come just, on, uh, on, yeah. Yeah. I should have just let him preach the lesson. Yeah, yeah. It was a great one, you know? Yeah. I don't really have much to say. <laughs> but thank you, bro, for, for the, the lesson and for, for the contribution. You know, if you're joining with us this morning, you have caught us right in the middle of our Book of Acts series. So we've been exploring, we've been kind of traversing through a journey in the Book of Acts. And uh, if you don't know, what is the Book of Acts? It's the actions of the first century disciples. And a lot of people also know it as Acts is the actions of the first century church. So if you ever think like, where did Christianity start? How did it look? What did a church service look like, you know, 2,000 years ago? Just read the book of Acts. Yeah. That's what the raw, the unadulterated, the pure Christianity looked like. It's the book of Acts. And we've been studying out for the past three weeks. We're on Acts uh, series part three. And Siri's been listening to me this whole time. Stop it, Siri. She's been trying to interrupt me somehow. But Acts 1, uh, the, the first part of the series, we went through what it took to build a great church. So we went through a lot of great things that we saw in the first uh, couple of chapters. Last week, we did Acts part 2, which was chapters 9 to 14. And we looked at the power and truth and purpose. We looked at the power to preach God's word. And we looked at power from impossible prayers. Today, the title of the lesson is Turning the World Upside Down. Turning the World Upside Down. Please make your way to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I only have two points for you guys today. Yeah, we simplified it pretty well. And uh, if you will, turn over to Acts. This is probably why I use a physical Bible because uh, these... Uh, these other Bibles kind of don't work sometimes. Right. Yeah. Acts 16, starting in verse 1. Now, as you notice, we didn't start in Acts 15. Why? Well, we're not going to put it in this lesson. Acts 15 is really important as it is a... Uh, it's when the whole church kind of gathers in Jerusalem. So the church was all over the place in uh, their known world. And uh, they had a, a problem of unity in the church in Acts. And so uh, they had to come to a decision on what to do about this problem. Really, it was a kind of a segregation between the Jewish disciples and the Gentile disciples. So the Jewish disciples are like, hey, we don't like the Gentile disciples. They have to become Jews first in order to become disciples. That was a big dispute because it's like, no, like we're all disciples under Christ, so it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. 
And that's when they had to come to an agreement in Acts 15. So we're going to skip that part. But it shows great unity. And it also shows that the church had central leadership. So it wasn't like every single church was just doing their own thing. But they were all in communication together. So Acts 16, verse 1. The first point for you guys. God wants to stretch us. God wants to stretch us. Let's look over here at Acts 16 in verse 1. It says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jew and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised them because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, <clears throat> They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in numbers. Which is great to say they're making disciples, baptizing disciples every single day. Not only the church in Jerusalem, but all the churches were getting to daily additions. Which is amazing. We saw that even this past year. The LA church was at daily additions for the church. They're man, they're cranking. And we want that to be for the church all over the world. You know, but it started as Paul met a young, fired up disciple named Timothy. And Timothy's awesome guy. It's actually where the books first and second Timothy were written to, is Paul writing to this young guy named Timothy. And this is where Paul first meets him. Now, what's crazy is right here, Paul wants to take Timothy on a missionary journey. So he's like, hey, Timothy, you got to come with me. We're going to go preach. And it was Paul's custom to preach in Jewish synagogues. So he'd go to the synagogues and he'd preach. A lot of people know that, that Timothy is half Greek, half Jew, which means it's like two cultures combining into one. Sadly, though, because people like to, you know, uh, segregate or to, you know, say like, hey, one culture can't be a part of another. That meant that the Jewish people were to, they were going to look down upon Timothy because of who he was. So Paul was like, man, I, I got this great fired up guy. He's awesome. But man, people aren't going to listen to him because of his culture, because of his background. And sadly, we see that in a lot of the world today is that many people won't listen to each other just because of race, because of ethnicity. When really, we should be listening to each other because of unity and because of Christ. Yeah, so we see Timothy, Paul had to do something with Timothy, and that was that Timothy had to get circumcised, which is a big like sacrifice if you weren't a Jewish person. So Timothy had to literally change his culture, change his ways, change his mind, just so he can go and preach God's word. Timothy was willing to do anything, give up everything, and go anywhere for the gospel message. See, God was trying to stretch Timothy in a great way right here. See, where do we have limits in our Christianity? Where were, in our Christianity, we will say, hey, I'm not willing to do that for God. Man, I'm not willing to go to that place for God. Man, I'm not willing to give up that in my life for God. Maybe it's a certain sin in your life that you're not willing to give up. Maybe it's uh, your own plan, your own way of life that you're not willing to give up to follow God and to preach God's word. 
I want to lift up Brady in a great way. Man, this guy could be a doctor right now. I don't know how much those doctors make a year, like ninety to hundred thousand dollars a year. Depends on what type of doctor, but they make a lot of money a year. And Brady gave that up. Not in a way of like, hey, like he's not doing great things with his life now. He still works at a hospital, but also he, he he's made it to where he preaches the word, and that is his purpose in life, which is an awesome sacrifice. But he's willing to give that up, that purpose, for his greater purpose, which is God's word. And that's what Timothy was willing to do right here. That's what we got to be willing to do in our Christianity as well. Come on, bro. And maybe it's certain roles in the church that you don't want to, you don't want to take part. In. Maybe it's like, man, like I see a need in the church, but I don't really think that's my 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 goal right there. I don't really think that's what I want to do for God. But it might be what God wants you to do for His church. See, we are a church that has to be willing to do anything. Go anywhere and give up anything for God. See, God wants to stretch you in this way. Maybe you've never actually really given up a lot for God in your life right now. Maybe you're just starting to learn about God and His Word and the Scripture. Maybe you never really got into the Bible before either. Well, God wants to tell you to get into His Word. Prioritize learning the Scriptures in order to see what God has in store for you. You know, God also wants to stretch our vision. Let's continue on in verse 6. It says right here, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phygeria and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. And so they passed by Latam and went down to Trophus. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to go at once to lead to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So a lot of different towns and names, let's break it down, right? What's going on? Paul who is now the main character of Acts, and it trans, uh, transferred from Peter to Paul in Acts 9. So now we're following Paul along his missionary journeys. And Paul gets this vision of a guy in Macedonia. Now, where is Paul at right now? He's actually in a town called Antioch, Lystra and Derby. So if we were to see a map, it was like thousands of miles away from where Macedonia was. Macedonia is modern-day Europe. So if you think of like where Italy is and where you think of, uh, you know, Paris and all these different places. That's actually where Macedonia is, like, in that uh, general region. Antioch is, like, in the Middle East, so it's thousands of miles away. Now, Paul and them wanted to go over to the continent of Asia to preach the Word of God. But God was like, it's not that time right now. It says that the Holy Spirit blocked it. Yo, you probably wanted to do some things in your life this year. God blocked it. Oh, God said, it's, it's not that time right now. Maybe there's a certain place you wanted to go. Maybe there's a certain thing that you wanted to do in, in your life for God. And God just said, not right now. Some of us see that and we go, man, God's telling me not ever. Like, I'm never going to uh, God's telling me, like, give up. No, no, he's not telling you that. He might just be blocking it right now. He might, he, he might just tell you. Hey, go, go around to another town. Yeah. Go to a different area of your life. 
it's going to be better. See, God didn't want the gospel just to be in their known region, but he wanted them to get to a whole other continent. Macedonia was on a whole other continent, and God was stretching Paul's vision right here. Say, hey, it's not just in Asia, it's not just going to be in your known world, but no, we're going to get to the end of this world. See, God wants to stretch you in your vision. God doesn't want you just to see a few steps ahead. Maybe a few months ahead. No, but your entire life, God's going to do incredible things. You know, I think God is going to do great, incredible things in the year 2024 yeah. for our church. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, uh, we plant churches every single year. And we actually have a lot of uh, great church plantings happening in the year 2024. You know, you see this little room, you're like, man, uh, like, is one person going to go to each city? Like, how are we going to plant? No, we're a global movement. It's not just us here today, but yeah. we have a, a family of churches all over the world yeah. ready to go at once. And so I want to open your guys' eyes and stretch your vision to what we're going to do in 2024. Some of the crown of thorns planting, so our, our uh, plan to evangelize the world is called the crown of thorns. And we have a lot of churches. We're going to plant Amman, Jordan, so the church in Jordan. We're going to plant Doha, Qatar. We're going to plant uh, Hyderabad, India. That's what I'm going to plant. We're going to plant Lome Togo. Lome Togo, which is where my beautiful wife was born and raised for a couple months in the United States. Maybe I need to go. You know, Come on, bro. Maybe I need to go. Switch your vision there for a second, you know? We've got to learn some other languages. We're going to plant Madrid, Spain. We're going to plant Maputo, Mozambique. We're going to plant Prague in the Czech Republic. We're going to plant San Jose in Costa Rica. We're going to plant Wellington in New Zealand. And that's just the, the, the mobile plantings that we're going to have. The Operation Eagle, Operation Eagle is our, our, our plan to plant a church in every single state in the United States. So we're going to plant Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, oh, let's go to Alaska. Is it like a Do you like continuous uh, uh, times of night? Like the sun doesn't rise? You know that? That's Alaska. We're going to plant Bozeman, Montana. Columbia, South Carolina. Fayetteville, Arkansas. Grand Forks, North Dakota. Morgantown, West Virginia. Rayleigh, North Carolina. Starkville, Mississippi. And uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And then by the end of 2024, we will have a church in every single state of the United States. A lot of movement. You might be moving. I don't know. I have to tell anybody. But man, God has incredible things planned for the church all around the world. Not only that, but God has great things planned for the church here in Oklahoma. I'm going to share some goals that we have for our church in the year 2020. You know what? We want the church to become self-sustaining. What does that mean? Is that if you don't know, churches have expenses and they have income. 
Usually the outcome is based off of the contribution that we have every single week. Yeah. Thank you guys. But we also have a lot of expenses. So full-time staff, uh, we put on a lot of events for the church here, we buy books for the church, we hand out books, we do a bunch of things with all that money. The church does not profit in any way from the money that we get. The money that we spend is the money that we, we or the money that we get is the money that we spend. So all the money that we make, we, we start the year off with zero dollars pretty much eating. So <laughs> nobody really gets that money, to be honest. Uh, but we want the church to become self-sustaining, which means that income of the church matches the expenses of the church. Very, very important. We want to double the church by the end of 2024. Now, sadly, I may hear that we're starting with 19. That's not true. We're starting with 18. So we want the church to get to 36 by the end of the year. Amen. Like that, that almost seems like a little easy for us. I don't want to stretch our feet. I think we can do that. That's one of you guys meeting a person. And sharing your faith with them and making them into a disciple. In one year, you get 12 months. I, I feel like uh, everybody yeah. can do that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of us can do that in just one month. So I think we're going to see even more growth than that. So we want to uh, baptize a man and a woman every single month. We want a, to appoint or raise up a shepherding and training couple. So a married couple, whether we baptize them or they put here. But somebody to train in the role of shepherding the church. Very, very important. Raise up two Bible talk leading couples. So a man and a woman that can lead Bible talks. One in the campus and one in the single professional ministry as well. And we want to get four people into ICCM. I ask you, so what is ICCM? Well, it's actually the college that is a part of our church that is uh, federally recognized by the state of California to give bachelor's degrees in Christian ministry and theology. So that degree can help a lot in further advancing the gospel and gets us ready to you know, do great things for God. So four people into ICCF. So we gotta pray for these goals. These are goals that like, man, it would really help out evangelizing the Oklahoma area. You know, with that comes well, we got to have people to lead those things. Yeah. Let's continue on. Let's read in verse 11. What happens right after Paul is stretched in his vision? It says, from Trophus, we put out the sail uh, straight for a similar race. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, a leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of uh, Tiberia named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, Come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now we see the conversion of a woman named Lydia. Now you might be asking yourself, what is so special about this woman named Lydia? Well, every single soul that is converted to be a disciple is special. There you go. Amen. Lydia right here. Well, we, we would call Lydia an opinion leader. Or a, a, a leader 
type role. Why is that? Well, Lydia was dealing in what's called purple cloth. So you're like, man, well, look, she's selling clothes. Like, that's pretty easy. You can go to the, like, the thrift store and sell purple cloth. Like, how does that make her an opinion leader? Well, one, we see that Lydia was also very persuasive as she even persuaded Paul to come to her house. And Paul's a very, like, steadfast and very firm guy. So she can even convince Paul to do what she wants him to do and stuff like that. But purple cloth meant that you dealt with royalty. Royalty was the ones that were wearing the purple cloth. So she was talking to kings, queens, uh, princes, uh, princes. Like she was talking to the higher ups in life. And so Lydia, you know, started her own business. You have to have the character to do that. You have to have the budget to do that. You have to be able to sell this kind of stuff. Like she was an opinion leader. Now, I think we got to baptize influential leaders in the Oklahoma area. You know, I believe one of those people was Max. Max, we met, Max is an influential person in the Oklahoma area. When his, uh, we, we got to see his graduation on Saturday, which was awesome. He got to sing the chant for graduation. Well, like, when Max got up there, like, not only did we cheer, but, like, many people in the stadium actually cheered. Yeah. I was like, hey, like, people know Max is. Yeah. He is an influential leader. I believe every single person in here is an influential leader as well. But man, if we want to do these incredible things, we gotta convert, convert right. influential leaders in the Oklahoma area. What is the result gonna be if we do this? Which I believe we will. Let's go over to Acts 17 in verse 5. Right. Acts 17, verse 5. How much is God going to stretch our vision? Acts 17 in verse 5. It says, But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did, or when they did that, they did not find them. They dragged Jason and some of the believers before the city officials shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason was welcome, has welcomed them into his house. They were all defying Caesar's decree saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. So what's going on here? Paul and the crew, they're preaching the word of God in the city called Thessalonica. And uh, it didn't really go well. People didn't really like it. See, when you want to do great things for God and you want to, you know, uh, help a city, people are going to hate you for it. Which is weird, but it, they're going to hate you. There's always going to be opposition. Even so much so that they dragged Jason out into the crowd and, and sadly they beat him and stuff like that. Sorry, Jason. We pray for him now. <laughs> but we see an amazing thing right here in verse 5. Actually, in verse 7. It says that these people, these, these disciples, were causing trouble all over the world. You know, in the New Revised Standard Version, it says that these disciples have turned the world upside down. That's actually a bad thing in the world's eyes. Because they didn't want this change. They didn't want 
the amazing things that God had in store for them. Why? Because it was actually going to call them to do something different in their lives. But it is for us exactly what needs to happen. See, we're going to go against everything that this world is going to tell us to do. The world's going to tell you to live for yourself. The world's going to tell you to gain all that you have. The world's going to tell you to live for the kings of this world, not the king of, of, of the entire world, which is God. So no wonder we're going to receive persecution. No wonder that people aren't going to understand why we're, we're doing what we're doing. Why? Because we're flipping it on its head. On. We're turning the whole world upside down. And it's going to happen when we allow God to stretch our vision. My second point for you guys, turn your mind upside down. You know, Acts 18 and Acts 19, we follow Paul through his missionary journey even farther, his second missionary journey, and then his third. He goes in Acts 18 and plants the church in Corinth, which is where we get 1st and 2nd Corinthians. He plants the church in Ephesus in chapter 19, is where we get the book Ephesians. So if you read those books, you can see that that's where he started those churches. And uh, in Ephesus, uh, to create the church, he actually created a cranky campus ministry in the lecture halls of Tyrannus. So you're like, did they have campus ministries back then? They actually did. Paul started the first part in Acts 19, uh, which is pretty awesome. Let's go over to Acts chapter 20. And this is kind of towards the end of Paul's life. Paul has one last task that he has to do. And he's done these amazing, great things for God. But he needed a great mindset to do so. Acts 20 in verse 18. Acts 20, verse 18, give me an amen when you're there. Amen. You guys are too fast, I need three water. Amen. It says right here in Acts 20, verse 18. It says, when they arrived, he said to them, You know I have lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns that prisons and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Very, very importantly, these are Paul's very last words. Uh, to one of the churches that touched his heart the most, and that was the church in Ephesus. So he's talking to the leadership of the church in Ephesus. You know, and towards the end of his goal, Paul reveals the mindset that he had to have in order to accomplish these great things. He says, hey, I had to not hesitate in anything that I did. I had to be prepared to, for all of these hardships. You know, God is getting us prepared to do incredible things in the year of 2024. Yeah. Which I'm very, very grateful that it's the year of blessings. Because we need those blessings. Come on, come on. But God wants us to
to do these great things, we have to have a great mindset in order yeah. to do so. It even says, the Holy Spirit warned him. See, the Holy Spirit is warning us today that, hey, you want to do great things for God? I know we make vision boards. We have some motivation to do great things in our lives, maybe spiritually and physically, in our finances, in our health, in our preaching, in our knowledge, in our life. Man, that's going to come with hardship. That's going to come with great trials. There's going to be many people that will try to oppose you in doing so as well. But that means we're going to get ready to do Maybe right now you feel like those hardships are in your life. Man, 2024 hasn't even started yet. But the hardships have. Well, that's awesome. Be encouraged by that. Come on. Because God is getting you ready to do great things. Come on. No, during this time for the holidays, it's very easy to kind of have a mindset of, hey, it, it, it's time for me to like take a break and lay off the gas. It's true that during this time we gotta rest physically to get our bodies ready and to get our minds ready and to do a lot of planning and awesome. But it's not a time to rest mentally and spiritually. Yeah. You know, during this time, that's that's the thing is we want to rest. It, it makes us dull in our spirituality. You know, maybe we've been feeling uh, a lethargicness in our spirituality. Maybe we've been feeling a lack of motivation in our spirituality. Maybe we've been feeling a lack of discipline in our lives just to plan the things that are coming oh, in 2024. Yeah. Man, you got to give me sharp spiritual. Yeah. I want us to focus on praying for the goals that you have in your life. And if you haven't made goals for yourself, then you got to make goals for yourself in 2024. Uh, pray for those goals every single day. Pray for the church goals every single day. And pray for the movement goals and the, and the movement and the churches that we're going to be planting yeah. in 2020. And pray for a mindset that is going to help you endure the hardships when they come as we do these great things. You know, family, God wants to turn our mind upside down for Him. Yeah. Not only that, but for us to turn the world upside down as well. Let's put these things into action. Let's have a great time. Even though we don't have meat in the body, let's be focused on a fellowship and checking in with each other so that we can turn the world upside down. I love you guys. And to God be all.